Hello, this is Evan Ball. Welcome to Striking a Chord, an Ernie Ball podcast. Today on the podcast, we have a rare sit down with both Bethany Costantino and Bob Bruno of Best Coast. Best Coast has a new long-awaited album on its way, so we'll talk about that, at least the parts that aren't still secret. We discussed Bethany and Bob's unique musical partnership. What does their collaborative process look like? We also talk about the Best Coast success story, how bedroom songwriting and lo-fi recordings quickly blossomed into an amazing career with many highlights. We talk about Fred Savage, or maybe it was Ben Savage, I can't remember. Anyway, before we get started, let me clarify a couple terms that get used. They reference the smell, which might sound odd until you learn that the smell is the name of a DIY punk type music venue in LA. And also Pocahontas is the name of the band Beth was in prior to Best Coast. So let's get started, ladies and gentlemen, Bethany Cosentino and Bob Bruno. Bethany Cosentino and Bob Bruno, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you. All right, so I follow Best Coast on Instagram, and uh, recently, a couple days ago, actually, I noticed, kind of cryptically, you guys posted the date 11-5-19. What does it mean? A Scorpio season, that's what it means. (laughs) We have a song coming out, a new song. So is this the first single from your new album? We shall see. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for some context uh, for our listeners, we're recording this on November 1st, prior to the release of this song. Uh, you all are hearing it sometime after the release, hopefully enjoying that that song. All right. Um, so what can you tell us about this album coming up? It took a really long time to make. It's the longest we've ever spent. Yeah. Um, recording anything. I mean, we haven't put a record out in like five years pretty much. So this is kind of like our big return to the world without saying too much. I think this record just feels like a, just kind of like a newer version of, of us, just like a different side of us that we haven't quite shown the world yet. Cool. At least that's what I think. Well, in the interim, you guys, so 2018, you put out a kid's album. Mm-hmm. And then earlier this year, you were the house band for Fred Savage's what just, what, just happened. Happened. what just happened, which I want to, I'm very curious about that. <laughs> I haven't seen it. So, so you have been busy. Yeah. So when did you start writing and recording this album? Okay. So the, there's a song on this record that I wrote like almost four years ago. So we've been like working on this record and songs for this record for a really long time. And it just kind of like took a while to really get the ball rolling. And there was just some shit going on that like we were you know like going through and navigating and then the process of like getting this record together has been quite because of that (laughs) that longer time span does that give you more songs to choose from it did actually yeah not a ton but more than we had yeah usually it's like we just go into it and we're like okay here's the the record but this time around it was done a bit differently it's very like the whole way we've approached this has been very different. And then of course, like we did a TV show, which is different. I feel like the, we kind of like took a bit of, uh, not necessarily like a hiatus cause we were definitely still working and we were still playing shows and touring and doing stuff. But I think it was just kind of like, we, there was a bit of a shift and then the doors kind of opened for us. And then all these other weird opportunities started popping up, like being on 
television. Yeah, well, maybe we should talk about that now. So. <laughs> well, first off, how did how, was Fred Savage uh, a fan, and he asked you to be the house band? Yeah, yeah. Okay, did you know him before that, or did he just well, reach out? Well, here's a funny story. <laughs> so my dad is a musician, and my dad played plays in all these different cover bands, and my dad was in a, a Fleetwood Mac cover band a couple of years ago. And we, Bob and I were there at the show. Uh, it was at the Whiskey. And like I had tweeted about it, trying to like help get my dad's band some like attention and get some people to come out. And at the end of the show, I like turn around and there's this guy walking towards me. And I'm like, what the hell? That's the guy from Boy Meets World. And he's like, hey, I'm Ben. Like, I'm a huge fan. And I'm like, yeah, I know who you are. I watched your show as a kid. And we ended up like hanging out with him. And then like, you know, years passed. And we were in the studio and got this email from our manager that was like, hey, Fred Savage has a new show and he's interested in booking you as the late night band or as the house band for this late night show. And we were like, okay. So when we went to meet Fred, we both thought it was Ben. Like I knew that Fred was different than Ben, but I just like, it just kind of blurred together. Yeah. And like when he walked into the room for the meeting, I was like, hi, it's nice to see you again. Like we met at my dad's show. Yeah. He's like, we've never met. And then I was like, oh fuck, it was your brother. But then it weirdly became a joke in the show. Yeah. yeah. So it ended up like I literally turned to him. I was like, we're not getting that. Gig. <laughs> like I fucked this up for us. Yeah. That was literally like the first thing that happened in yeah. the meeting was that. And then when we got hired, I was like, oh, okay, I guess they liked that I was a bit of an airhead. <laughs> <laughs> so the premise of the show, it's sort of a talk show. It's so meta. Based on it's, a TV show that doesn't really yeah. exist. Correct. Which is based on a series of books that doesn't really yeah. exist. Yeah. I'm so intrigued. I, I haven't seen it, but. Yeah, so it was, it's kind of similar to Talking Dead uh, in the premise, but. After the initial couple minutes where they they show a scene from this fake show and then Fred comes on. So they film like, scenes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They As film if there was a, a, from, a, like, from an episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, yeah, it's like it's shot on film, like, you know, sci-fi thing. And then Fred will come on and be like, what just happened? And we're going to recap tonight's show. And the guests are supposed to be fans of the show that was called The Flare, the fake show, or, or fans <laughs> of the book. And, yeah. uh but then it just kind of becomes like a comedy like talk show and doesn't dwell on the sci-fi thing. So was it the, the weird concept that made you want to do it? You're kind of really venturing off into something new being that the house. Honestly, band. like we, I think it was just for us. It, I mean, it was a, it's a rad opportunity and like a huge platform to showcase your band, you know, like being given an opportunity like that. And then also once we met Fred and like talked to him, he's the coolest guy yeah. ever. Like he literally just put Bob on an episode of Modern Family, which is Bob's really? favorite show My in the world. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so like he's just cool and he champions us and he's like, I feel like we just like made a friend for life and it was just really cool and it was really weird and just so like not our lane way because it was like literally like hours in a television studio like you know doing things that we are like not used to doing but it was really cool and it was fun to like see ourselves on tv playing these like goofy little songs that we wrote yeah are, are you writing brand new original material just for the show yeah, yeah we did we wrote the theme song and then all the cues for people coming on stage and then if that skits it needed like music we would do that a so lot it's recurring of bits or are you writing new stuff for every episode usually changed yeah every well episode. there were different jingles and then we kind of created like an arsenal of music that we would just like pick from and then like 
we would be making like a set list and we had like the dumbest names for songs. Like we'd be like, we had one called like Minion and like we would just like name stupid shit. And we were like, this is so funny because it's like every other house band is like so pro and we are just like the goofiest like people just literally being like, okay, like, yeah, the King of the Hill song that comes next, right? Like, okay, one, two, three, go. And like, it was just so weird. That's awesome. cool. (laughs) Yeah, we uh, had Nick Reinhardt play with yeah. us too, which which was, saved our asses. Yeah, yeah, he actually knows what he's doing. Very talented. Uh, he's so good at guitar and and composing and stuff. So he, Beth, and I would get together at my house and we would hash out like what we were going to play. Yeah, there was one night where we just like wrote for like until like one o'clock in the morning. We were all like delirious and had been drinking so much coffee. And then we were like, I don't know if they're even going to like these songs. And then Fred would write back the next day like, these are great. I'm so excited. The only one that was a bit of an issue was the theme song. It took a while to get that one. Did any of the bits make it into Best Coast songs for the album? No. No. (laughs) It's totally different. But I'm so curious if when we like start touring again, if people will be like, play, like what if someone's like, play the what just happened? Yeah. (laughs) Some like super like, Hardcore fan that watched the what show. What if they only like that? Music I know. And they came. What are you going to play the song? Yeah, people yeah. came to see us because they saw us on TV. Let's veer back to the the new album. Uh, producers, collaborators. Mm, you can say there. Can't really talk about that. <laughs> okay. Unfortunately, gotta wait. Oh, I'm getting more intrigued <laughs> by the second. Are there any ex- anxieties or or worries when you're birthing a new album into the world? Do you get nervous about how how it will be received? Not really. I just, as long as I feel confident in what we did and I th- enjoy it, then I'm happy. And whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Like you can't think like that. Otherwise, you're just, you're in your head too much and you start second guessing yourself. And I feel like with us, it's, I, I just trust my instincts and Beth's instincts as far as like what we think is going to work for us. So I'm confident in, in that. So I, yeah. I don't really stress about that kind of stuff. Do you, yeah. do you feel more confident before certain albums that have come out? Like, can you compare how you feel on this one? Well, I mean, I think for like a perfect example is crazy for you. Like we had no expectations. Like we just made the record in a super short period of time. We put it out. We like went to South by Southwest. Next thing we knew, we were like a top 50 billboard charting album. Like we did not think about it at all. So I think it's like, if I think back to that experience, I'm like, oh yeah, I think the best results happened when we just had zero expectations and just let shit happen naturally. Yeah. And then the second record was of course like you have all this pressure cause your first record did well. And then you're yeah. like, okay, hopefully this one does just as good. And you know that my, I went nuts during the process <laughs> of making that record. So he was totally fine, but I was a yeah. psychopath. <laughs> do you sit down intentionally to write or do your songs, is it more like you're, you're at home with your guitar and ideas pop up when they pop up? Do you set aside time where I'm going to write an album? No, I'm, I work very much just like when the inspiration kind of hits me. I did like for this record, try to set time aside and you know, the TV show is a prime example, like of the idea of like sitting down to work. Mm -hmm. I feel like I can do that when there's like, there's a deadline or something has to get done. But if I'm just doing it for the sake of being creative, I find that it works better if I just kind of like, work on instinct like oh okay I feel like writing a song right now or I have an idea in my head but when I actually try to like sit and make shit happen it's like too hard and then I overthink it well you naturally when you're at home just pick up a guitar if you're sitting on the couch not me no oh I don't 
I don't either. Yeah, <laughs> we're like okay. super non-professional, professional musicians. For me with writing, it is like I'm going to write. Okay. And, you know, so sometimes it does not work at all. And you just kind of, I've gotten really good at figuring out pretty quickly, like, oh, it's not going to happen right now. Do you have a special room you go into or yeah. a studio? He has a room that I refer to as the psychotic room. Oh. Is that, that where you inspiring. write? Or do that you write is, in the living room? I do both. But mm-hmm. a, a lot of this stuff I did in there. In the psycho room? Yeah. It's a truly. Yeah. How, like, did, how did it earn that nickname? Explain. <laughs> it's just full of gear. Like. You can't see the wall. Tripping over wires and. No, no, no. no it's okay. very neat. Super organized. Okay. <laughs> he's not. He's not. He's the most organized Psychotically person. Organized. Yeah. yeah. Like one wall is shelves, just all pedals. Like there's like a lot of keyboards, a lot of guitars and basses. Yeah, there, it's just, just like posters. That sounds everywhere. overwhelming. Yeah, a lot of posters. It's I guess like you have any tool you, you could ever want once you're yeah. in there. It's basically like a teenager's dream <laughs> yeah. environment. It's like Richie Rich. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like all the gear you want and then like a bunch of wrestling and music posters <laughs> everywhere. So from what I gather, Bethany will write a song, basically chords, lyrics, melody, goes to you for sort of layering instrumentation. Is that mm-hmm. basically the, kind of the separation of duties? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What form does that take? Is it like a, a, a Bob, do you, do you receive like a, a, a logic file or a phone recording or a musical scroll? Somewhere in between. It's like a, just an MP3 of Beth from GarageBand, like singing into, well, you have like a real mic. Now okay, so I something do. kind of mixed I've down. Upped, I've upped my game somewhat. Yeah. It's like a, a garage band. Demo. And then I just give him like a crazy like <laughs> rundown of my ideas and I'll send sometimes I'll send him like YouTube links to references or I'll say like I have an idea for this part or could you maybe like you know do some sort of baseline that might sound like this and I'll just give him my ideas and then sometimes I'll just send it to him and be like I trust you. I mean that's the thing and I feel like that's the thing that's always worked so well with he and I is that like he just, he understands me and he understands like, I feel like when he hears the songs that I craft, like he, he, he knows, knows what exactly picturing. what to put on it to make it sound like Best Coast, That's you know, great. like yeah. when you hear the songs from the demoed version that I make to the version that ends up on record or the version that ends up released, like it's a, it's a totally, it's just like the bones of the song. And then Bob comes in yeah. and kind of like adds all the texture and the layers. And then like, once we get everything together, then it kind of becomes... So will you, you know. add maybe virtual drums from GarageBand? No, 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 no. no okay, so no. it's just guitar, it's like vocals. straight up. Maybe like once or twice I've like Are done you a miking tambourine. Yourself on acoustic? Um, or do you go direct with an electric? No, sometimes I'm like just literally doing like my little mini orange amp, like yeah. plugged in, and then I'm just sitting there recording like into the microphone. I am like I I can barely do anything. Like I don't know how I've made it this far, but I have. <laughs> you guys are a great duo then. <laughs> we are like um, the most ridiculous people that have somehow figured out how to make this work. So Bob, <laughs> how, how do you take that? And then, I mean, if you want to layer things, do you, don't you want it in logic or pro tools, whatever you use? And no, then, I don't use that stuff either. I don't use a computer <laughs> at all for music. Like okay. I'm like a caveman. So. so what does your process look like once you get that recording? Uh, I'll put it in like a, a old hard disk recorder. That's like usually a track or 16 sometimes. And a lot of times I'll just play uh, electronic drum kit to Beth's song. And you're, then, you're you're at, like manually playing it, physically like hitting, playing hitting the. Pads. I have like a, a also v keep drum in mind oh, that, v drums. Okay. Yeah. keep in mind that I'm not 
giving him something with like tempo. Like I, no he's, he's yeah, 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 having yeah, to yeah. like, 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 oh, okay, she's changing here. Like he like yeah. straight up comes in and I'm like all over the fucking place. And this fool just like drops in and makes it work. <laughs> yeah. And then, so I'll do, I'll play the V drums and then add bass and like my leads or like keyboard stuff. If I hear it, just kind of whatever I feel like the song needs. And what, on occasion, I'll start the song over where I program the drums and do guitar and then yeah. send it to Beth so she can sing, you know, properly with it in yeah. the tempo. And stuff. There was a couple things for this record where I was like, can you re-record this for me? Because it's so super sloppy and it will just be easier. Um, but I think like, you know, we've tried. Like, I remember when we <laughs> first started this, I was like, do you think maybe we should just like try to write together? Like, I'll come over to your house. I think like five minutes yeah, in, we were like, this isn't how it works for us. Awkward. Like, we just have to do it the way we do it, and it works. And so there's really no sense in changing. Interesting. You know? Yeah. So you've got a good system. So, yeah. So normally you're using her original recording yeah. to layer on top of that. Yeah. And, and that suffices as a demo until you go into the studio to do the, yeah. the final version yeah. of it. Yeah. It's funny to have to play those demos for, for like people. producers <laughs> and like managers and people and be like, oh, yeah, you want to hear a demo? Here you go. And then they're kind of like, Okay. <laughs> but I feel like it's like we've gotten this far doing it the way that we do it. And I think it's like, it's just like that dumb saying, like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. You know, it's just like it works for us. And I think like it's part of the appeal of our band is that yeah. we're kind of just like winging it a little bit, but we make it work. When you I know? listen to your music, it, it's your songs are such a good reminder that critical to a good song is a good melody. So chords and a good melody can go really far. Oh, yeah. Not that it's it's easy to to make up a good melody. You either kind of have a knack for it or you don't, or you get lucky sometimes. But it's so easy to overthink while you're creating a song and get bogged down on stuff that's not really making it more listenable. Yeah. Definitely. Um, so I don't know. Are are you do you think about that when you're writing? Like what are the, the ingredients? Obviously you have a knack for for creating good melodies. And Thanks. and so that's you know, you have that core and then you get to this came to my head. you you don't have to polish a turd. You have like you <laughs> yeah, have no, like no, no, those, solid yeah, you that's, know, like that's so, so central is to have chords and, and good melody right there. Yeah, like when she sends me the songs, it's a it's usually like a clearly formed song and it is good on yeah. its own it's not maybe not production quality but i'm talking about yeah, 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 no, <laughs> composition wise and yeah. i think that makes it so easy for me to write to it is like most of it, there's been very few times where i don't automatically just instinctually like know what to play like it's it's pretty like easy for me like i'll, I'll listen to the thing once or twice and then i'll get right on the drums and just kind of knock that out first and then do the baseline and then figuring out the guitar melodies for me is the thing that takes the longest sometimes. Yeah. Well, cause the other th cool thing that he always do does too is like he, he never likes, like he always wants to, to like allow my melody and like a lot of times to like my harmonies and things like that to kind of like guide the song. So he's always like, I'm, he doesn't want to like make his guitar lines be I mean, it's interesting, though, because a lot of times Bob's guitar lines do become their own melodies and they become hooks and yeah, like feeling yeah. OK, like that guitar line he plays in the beginning, like is as hooky as the actual hook, Definitely, you know. Yeah. So but I, that is something I really love about collaborating with him is that he gives me space to kind of like 
do my vocal melodies and my harmonies and things like that. And he always says that in studio, like, oh, I don't want to impede over what she's doing vocally. Harmonies are such a big part, too, of so many of your songs. Mm-hmm. So those aren't there on the original ones. So you, you both sort of... I do those, I do those in okay. demos. Yeah, like yeah. I'll layer harmonies and then that I just kind of get yeah. to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I don't need to keep going. I know when you're in the, in the midst of creating an album, you're so close to the songs. You've heard them so many times. But do you have a sense of on this new album which songs you think will be most popular i guess you can't say song names yet maybe track no. numbers <laughs> do any stand out i feel like with this record like i'm just i i've like i'm in a place with it where i'm really proud of it i really like it and i just am like whatever happens with it happens i feel like we've taken some risks we're doing some things differently and i think it's just like I, I want the best for it, but I'm also like, if it doesn't work out the way that like you ultimately like hope a record does, it's kind of just like whatever. Like we made something that we're really proud of and it's just another like rad thing we got to do together. Have you filmed any videos or do you plan to for this new album? Uh, check November 5th. <laughs> you, you'll have an answer to oh, that. Oh, it's going to be a video. <laughs> Maybe, maybe, maybe it will be. I don't know. The listeners already know. Yeah, this will be. After <laughs> but us here. In the, yeah, in the, there's a video. The past, yeah, there's yeah, a video. Yeah. There's a video. And then, yeah, there will, there are things happening. You will right. see. You heard you it here first, things. people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, I want to dig into the the Best Coast story. Have you heard about Ernie Ball's new Slinky sets? Introducing Primo Slinky, Ultra Slinky, Mega Slinky, Burly Slinky, and Mammoth Slinky electric guitar strings. Find your perfect gauge. Maybe it's Primo Slinky with a 9.5 on the high E and a 44 on the low E. Or maybe you're a drop tuner. Check out Mammoth Slinky, the 12 to 62 set. Ernie Ball's got Slinkies for everybody. Learn more by visiting ErnieBall.com or your favorite guitar retailer. Get yours today. So Bethany, I know you've been around entertainment since you were a kid. Mm -hmm. And I've read that you recorded as a teenager songs and put them online. And according to the internet, you had... You had a Can't label interest uh-huh. early on, uh-huh. but you did not accept. Uh-huh. Why not? I think at the time I was just like, I wasn't, I don't know. Like I just wanted to, to like be a wild teenager. Like I was like, <laughs> I just want to like party and have fun and get, like Isn't that go the to best shows. way to, to, to be a wild teenager? I guess, and- but I mean, it, it was very much felt like a, it very much felt like what was going to happen to me was that they were going to like take me and like mold me and make me some type of artist that I didn't want to be. And my whole MO, he can attest to this, is like I I like things done. Like I want, I'm a control freak. Like I really like to be in control and like make sure that things are working a certain way and I have like visions for things that I like really want to make sure it comes together. And I just feel like I couldn't ever be one of those artists where they're like, okay, let's take you and have somebody else write your music for you and dress you a certain way. Like I'm not interested yeah. in that. That must've been so tempting as an aspiring artist. To take no, it? no. I, I think it was just like, I just felt like I was like, man, eh, fuck it. Like, I'll how did you know that they would take you and mold you? I just you and, had that feeling. That's I, what they did back then. Yeah, and that I is mean, they what still they did do back that then. Now, yeah, that was like the peak of that time. Okay. Yeah, and I was like just making like, you know, I was like doing like singer songwriter stuff, and I just wanted to like be a girl that played like acoustic guitar and keyboard, and like I didn't want somebody to come in and like craft me and make me somebody. And I was also like very into like punk at that time, and I was like, oh, they're gonna make me like. It's so funny because I was like really punk, but then I was making this like super like emo singer songwriter music. Um, But I just think at the end of the day, like it was like 
I just wouldn't, I didn't, like I wanted to just make music and do my own thing. And I'm really glad that I did because had I gone down that path, like I, this probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Who knows what would have yeah. happened, you Good know? Call. Yeah. So are those songs still up on MySpace or wherever they were? Well, they were like, it, the first time I ever put them out, I think it was on Pure Volume. You can find them on YouTube. I like was looking oh, okay. for something on YouTube recently and they came up and I was like, whoa. And then in my mind, I was like, oh, th- maybe that would be cool to like re-record. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe I'll just do like a solo, just hand them over a to solo Fox, record with my own music from like, didn't Tegan and Sarah just do that? They like made a record of like, yeah, music they wrote from stuff. high school. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah it's funny though, because that type of music is so popular now, like women doing kind of like folky singer songwriter stuff. So maybe I could just do a little yeah si- side thing with Bethany Sharea, bring it back. <laughs> That's right. That was the name, right? Well, that is my name. Oh, that so is. Okay. It's my middle name. Yeah. Okay. It was very just like, yeah, my last name's too hard, so I'll make my middle name that's even harder <laughs> part of it. You know. So you two met. Was it during in the band Pocahontas? Mm. before no. then yeah okay. we met before that yeah i was like i want to say i was like 17 when we met probably yeah and we just we met through um our friends that uh played in a band called mika miko um which two of the sisters are now in a band called bleached and we're still really good friends with them and we just kind of met through like that music scene and the smell and and stuff like that and he was just always at like the same shows and parties as me. And the night we actually met was like a really weird night <laughs> where like a girl tried to jump out a window and it was like really dark and intense yeah. and heavy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad something good came out. Yeah. Of yeah. 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 And we both kind of just looked at each other like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah. Time to leave. Yeah. And is now basically what we did. Fast forward like many decades later and here yeah. we are. So Bob, you were recording bands back then? I was recording a lot of bands in the smell scene and uh, is this in the psychotic room? <laughs> no, no, this okay. is pre that. Okay. Um, just, I used to have a space downtown that was my practice space. that was really big. Uh, so you could set up a full band and just record them live. And it, it wasn't something I like, I was interested in doing that, but it just kind of happened by accident. Like it was actually um, Josh Klinghoffer who plays in red hot chili peppers now he had loaned me his cassette eight track and I had told someone that, Oh, I have a cassette eight track right now. And they're like, Oh, well you record our band. And I was like, sure. And then like those, the Porta studios. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cassette in there. yeah. Yeah. So it was this punk band and I recorded them and then we just got out to other bands in the smell scene. And then I just ended up recording a lot of bands in that era and was recording bands on the label that, Pocahontas was on and then I just started recording with them too and that's kind of how Beth and I realized musically we're on the same page and liked a lot of the same stuff as opposed to what that band was like I mean I love drone music and experimental stuff too but we both connected over the fact that we love the Beach Boys and Fleetwood Mac and and Cocteau Twins and things like that. So Bethany you briefly went to college in New York Mm -hmm. And then 2009, 2009, you came back in Beth, Co- Beth Coast. <laughs> See? See? That's why okay. it's part of why it's I'm named I'm not the that. first to do that. <laughs> okay. no. uh, and Beth Coast is born? Yeah. Well, basically, I was like, I was living in New York and I was going to school and 
I had like quit Pocahontas and I was just like, I don't really want to play music anymore. At least I didn't want to play that kind of music. And I was like, if I ever play music again, it'll be sort of more structured, kind of like pop rock or something. And I was like living in New York and I just got super bummed out and I like hated the winter and I was just like, I want to go home so badly. And I just emailed him and I was like, hey, I'm moving back. I plan on starting a band. Like I'm going to write some songs. Can I send stuff to you? And he was like, yeah, for sure. Just whenever you, you know, whenever you get some songs, send them my way. And then I literally flew home. I like moved home within a weekend and then was like living at my mom's house and just like locked myself in the back bedroom and just started writing. And I wrote the first Spesco song, which is called Sun Was High. And I sent it to him and I was like, and I think even the first time I put that song out, it was like just me. Like I didn't even like then he and I re-recorded it and it ended up on like a seven inch, but I just started sending him music and then we would get together and work on shit and record shit. And then literally it, like it, it, it's still a thing. I don't even understand. <laughs> well, you know, when I look at the timeline, it sounds like you guys really hit the ground running because you come back yeah. 2009, a year later, you're already signed with an album out. Yeah. So how were you gigging around a lot or was it more that you're recording and, and floating music around the town? It just like, happened like I went to his house and I remember he was like do you want to play shows and I was like yeah I guess like I guess we could play shows but do we have to get a band and he's like no we can I can program it all on like a mini disc and I was like okay cool and I was like literally playing like my dad's Dan Electro that he gave me that was like we both were playing Dan Electro's and like I had a practice amp and it was so like budget and we were just we like knew a bunch of people in bands that were like, Oh, okay. You guys want to like play this like DIY art space and we would play. And then it just kind of like kept happening, growing and growing and growing. And then, but still this is within the span of a year. Well, did I move back in 2009 or 2008? I think uh, I moved back nine. 2009. We talked about the band at the end of 2000 when you were back for like Christmas. Oh, okay. We, we were already talking about doing the band, but we started like, pretty quickly in 2009. I mean, we were doing like Beth wrote a lot of songs and we would knock out like yeah. 3 a day at least and we would we would meet like twice a week and we did that for like probably a month and so we had a lot of songs and uh, So did you get label attention by gigging or was it more from your recordings? Well, this is what happened. We would like we had these like very for lack of a better word, lo-fi recordings that we would do on our own. And then we became the like lo-fi band and that became a genre and whatever, you know, but, um, we like, we would record them and then we got this like random manager like this. I had like a, I had made like a best coast email, which is like still the email address that I use. And this guy emailed me and he was like, Hey, I'm a, I'm an artist manager and I'm really interested in your music and you're super talented. And could we meet? And I met, went and like met with him. I told Bob about him. I was like, I met this guy. He wants to manage us. Are you cool with it? He's like, sure, whatever. Like, cool. And then he hooked us up with this, um, ad agency that had a recording studio and asked if we would go in and record um, two songs for like a seven inch that basically this agency would like distribute to their clients. And it was the first time we ever recorded with live drums. And this was at Bedrock Music Practice Space in Silver Lake or Echo Park. Um, and then Louis Pezikoff, who actually ended up producing Crazy For You and produced the kids record with us, 
like all of a sudden we were doing that. And it wasn't until When I'm With You came out, that's when we started getting like a shitload of attention because it went on Pitchfork and Pitchfork gave us like best new music. And then we before the we knew it, yeah, we made the music video. And then before we knew it, it was like labels were flying out to our shows in Europe and to meet us. And then we signed with Mexican Summer. And it was just like, yeah, like it's a fucking blur. When I think about it, I'm like, it happened so fast and it never stopped. Like there was never a lull where it was like, oh, okay, we're not a band anymore. Like even this in this like break that we had, we were still working and still doing shit. It's like never stopped. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was thinking, so we have the, the 09 to 2010, which happened fast. And you put that, your first album out, Crazy For You. And that gets a pretty good buzz pretty quickly too. You alluded to that earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did how did that get into the world so effectively? You Do you know? Me. Can you trace yeah. the path? <laughs> it was like kind of that was the dawn of like music blogs, mm-hmm. which were a big thing. Oh. So that got us a lot of exposure. And then you know, Pitchfork was a big deal back then. So they we got best new music for the the album. Um, but it was crazy. I remember we were coming back from Europe, and our record had just come out, and we got like a email or something. And they're like, oh, yeah, debuted at like 36. Yeah. And we were like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. that's insane. Like, like, we were in the airport. And I yeah. remember, like, we were looking at it on, like, my first generation iPhone. And we were like, what? Like, we were one below Miley Cyrus. Yeah, and like, we were is like, this the indie chart? It's we, like, no, it's no, just the regular chart. And we were like, so we crazy. literally started this in your bedroom. Like, yeah. after. And not that long ago. No, like, yeah. after I dropped out of college. And like, like what? This, so how soon was that after the release? I mean, is it like within a Well, back then or? it was like, no, 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 no. Like, it was like pretty quick after it came out. Like, yeah. we were in Europe when the record came out. And then we were flying back and we I remember we were at JFK and we were like sitting in the terminal, like waiting for our flight, I think back to L.A. Or we might have stopped in New York to do some sort of promo or something. And then like we got that screenshot email from the label and we were just like, what the fuck? Wow. And so so it's it's mostly write ups, bloggers more than radio play, right? No. That's yeah. Better. We I mean, we had like we AAA, got a lot of like, indie. And like satellite radio. Yeah. Like a serious, lot of serious yeah. XM yeah. stuff on the, like whatever the college. Well, kind of I also think that when we did, we, uh, we did a, a music video for our deal um, and Drew Barrymore directed it. And it was like this big video that MTV at the time was doing these video projects where they would pair like celebrities with bands and then they would make these music videos. And Drew Barrymore was a big fan and she wanted to direct it. And she wrote this kind of like Romeo and Juliet um, treatment that had like Chloe Grace Moretz in it and um, Donald Glover who went on to become Childish Gambino you know like these bit like s- stars that were like not oh and Shailene Woodley like people that went on to be like super fucking famous yeah. and when that came out it like that I think really yeah. like exploded us we won like an MTVU Woody Award <laughs> that was presented to us by Polly D from Jersey Shore like our lives just literally like became like it just it it was nuts and we would look at each other the whole time and just be like what the what we also like at the time were just I feel like there were a lot of like Haley from Paramore was champion champion okay supporting I can't say that (laughs) word currently um she was like talking about us and there were just a lot of people sort of spreading the word about us and I feel like we were just in the right place at the right time and just shit started popping off 
And we made a good record. Yeah, and we made a good record. (laughs) And we're like a funny, weird... There's no other duo like he and I out there. So it's like... You kind of see us, and you're like, "What? Well, I'm intrigued. What is this?" Yeah. What do you think? It, what do you think accounts for your success? I mean, is it? I mean, I, mean, I think I know, but what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think we've like always just been like we're real. We're just real. Like we aren't interested in like being. It's the same reason I didn't sign to a major label at 16. Like I'm not interested in being some manufactured bullshit version of a person that I know I'm not, and putting music out that I don't like 100 percent back. And I think we've just always like remained true to who we are. And with each record and each like sort of transformation we go through, like we step it up another way and we take risks and we do things a little bit differently. But like at the, at the core of it all, it's always Bob and Beth just being Bob and Beth, you know? Yeah. And I think like, you know, we also like have a sound and people like a lot of times want to say like, well, their music sounds the same. It's like, that's what good bands do. They create a sound. (laughs) You listen to the Beatles and you're like, yeah, that sounds like a fucking Beatles song. You know, it's like, I'm not, please don't anyone think I'm trying to say we are the Beatles because I don't think that, but like we are who we are and we stick to that. And I think people respect and appreciate the fact that like, we're just, we're just like real people doing our thing with good melodies, good beats. (laughs) Thanks. Good guitar overdubs. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, try. What do you guys like to do when you're not playing music? I like to cook. Yeah, Bob. That's is like my number one hobby. Bob the okay. cooker. Um, and then just like I don't know, buy gear or I, I buy a lot of DVDs. I'm probably the only one of the. Few. <laughs> uh, I'm really into movies, so I I buy a lot of that stuff and and records and. Do you have a giant? DVD collection, yeah, record yeah. collection, yeah. His house is yeah. my house is like I don't know, like a thrift store basically. But it's very <laughs> organized. Yeah, my friend once called. It, she's like, "You're the most organized hoarder yeah. I've ever seen." Man. I back that. <laughs> I can't even it's argue true. that. It's true. That's impressive. How'd you get into cooking? Because I like just, eating. Just like <laughs> eating. <laughs> um, do you cook like every night? Is it is dinner an ordeal? What I'll do is I'll prep. I'll pick one day out of the week and I'll prep for like a week and a half's worth of food and just make a lot of things like usually like four or five dishes and then I'll just rotate them throughout the week. I cook too, but not okay. in that, not in that way. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, cook like I'm feeding a family of yeah, four. I just am like, oh, what am I going to make for dinner tonight? Oh, okay. I think I'll make this and then I make it. And then the next day I do the same thing. <laughs> so you haven't joined forces in the kitchen yet? No. no. Okay. No, but I, I feel like, he will he he like will recommend products to me and be like I found this thing I think you'd be into it and same for me or like a restaurant he thinks I'm like really into I like really basic kind of like healthy stuff so he'll just kind of be like oh I saw this spot that has like good bowls I think you'd be into it and I'm like thanks Bob it's funny too because like we don't really we don't hang out really like unless we're doing music and Podcasts. work work stuff yeah, so so I think it, a lot of times too like one of us will be out and someone will be like where's Bob where's Bethany it's like I don't know at her house <laughs> at his house doing I don't know but we text all the time yeah we're in we keep in touch it's just like when you're touring, you live with the person. Yeah, so, I right. never understand like bandmates that live together. Yeah, they get back from tour. Yeah, they live yeah. together or they're just going out together every yeah, night. Yeah, I'm like, like, you're going to kill each other yeah. if you do that. Like, Any tours planned right now? Mm, oh, well, this comes out after Tuesday, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. we have a tour. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. It's our first okay. headline US tour in like five years. five years. So you better buy those tickets. Because yeah. it's a big deal. <laughs> Where does it kick off? 
here actually in LA. And then um, we also like our crazy for you turns 10 in 2020. So we're like hopefully going to plan some kind of cool anniversary thing for that too. So if you could resurrect any musician from the past to collaborate with, who would it be? Uh, Richard Swift for me. Glenn Fry. All right. Can we smush those two together? Jim Morrison. Jim Morrison. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I hate the doors. Oh, okay. <laughs> Although you did hear a song I, recently. Yeah, it's true. I did. So I take it Bob likes the doors? I don't mind them. Okay. I have to be in the mood for it. It's not. I like, did okay. see a Doors cover band, though, in Lake Arrowhead, <laughs> and I was kind of into it. Kind of started to win you over. Yeah. The, the only time I'm not into the Doors is at a bar, because someone always puts on L.A. Woman or Riders on the Storm, and both of those are just bar vibe killers, <laughs> especially in Los Angeles. All right. So I hear you guys play Ernie Ball Strings. Mm-hmm. We do. Which ones do you play? Uh, Paradigm. Paradigms, okay. Yeah, the skinny orange top, ones. Skinny yeah. top, heavy bottom? <laughs> yeah, I know by color. Um, the 10 to 52. Yeah. Um, and then I use the baritone strings for my baritone guitars, which are the purple ones. He sets up my guitar for me, so yeah. I'll let him answer okay. the so question. Beth, it goes like either M Steels, just the regular, or we've used Paradigms like lately too. What instruments are you playing on the new album? Uh, Just the usual, like... Uh, bass and guitar, a little bit of synth. Okay. Yeah. I played, you do all the bass? Yeah. I okay. played wind chime on the Ooh, record. That sounds new. Bongos. Bongos. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Would it be possible to name three albums that, that are most influential? Mm. Or however many you want? I mean, pick a Fleetwood Mac record. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, my favorite Fleetwood Mac record is Tango in the Night. I love that record so much. Like, I, I just think every song on that record is incredible. Mirage is another one of my favorite yeah. Fleetwood Mac records. Um, I think the record that, like, really, like, brought us together and kind of, like, influenced this band in the beginning, and obviously, like, it's transformed a bit since then, is Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. Like, yeah. we wouldn't have even made this band if it, if a record like that hadn't have been made, and that was really the record that we bonded on so heavily when we first were collaborating in Pocahontas together. Like, cause the people that we were working with were like hated the Beatles and like, didn't like the beach boys. And we were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, this is like classic pop music. How about Weezer? We were just listening. The Weezer song (laughs) came on when we were driving over here. Yeah. Was it keep fishing? fishing, Yeah. yeah. Um, Weezer was like one of my favorite bands, like in middle school and growing up. Okay. Like when I first learned how to play guitar, my guitar teacher would just have me come and bring songs that I liked and then he would just teach them to me. And Keep Fishing was one that I learned off the Green Album and then Say It Ain't So. And um, and then like l- that was one of the craziest, like most surreal things I think in Best Coast history was like when I got the email like, hey, Rivers Cuomo is a fan, he wants to write with you. And I was like, what? Okay. And then I like went and wrote this song with him and then it came out years later. And then I was like performing with them, like getting up on stage at these huge festivals and singing it with them. And I was just like, what is my life? Like, I just am a Weezer collaborator. Like, you know, I could see it though. I could see how he would be drawn to your music and and vice versa. Thank you. Blink-182, too, is another one that I, like, feel like is part of the reason why I, like, even started playing guitar. Oh, really? Yeah. And, again, like, 
Mark Hoppus is a huge fan of ours and we've opened for them. Like with Fleetwood Mac is like literally the only band that I feel like we haven't gotten close to in terms (laughs) of like things that we've gotten to do where we've looked at each other and been like, what the fuck? Cause like we've played with Brian Wilson. We've played these like crazy festivals with like bands that we love and done things you know, met people and Fleetwood Mac is, I think the, the only one we haven't reached yet, but never say never. So I I assume the best coast is the West coast. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Okay. Do you ever get any pushback from East coasters that feel like they're not allowed to like you because they'd be betraying their coast? No. Early on, because I was our merch person. Oh, really? I would get a little bit. It's usually some meathead dude. It's like, what's wrong with the East coast? It was like, Tim, We're do you feel that way at all? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I would just say it's like, that's just how we feel about where we're from. We're not saying there's anything wrong with the East Coast. It's just to us, that's where we grew up. Sure. That's- it's also just like, let's be honest, it's a really good band name. <laughs> yeah. And it's like my initials, BC. He calls me BC. You accidentally said Beth Coast. Yeah. Like it, it, it works for us, you know? And there's a feel to our music that feels very like, West Coast and California and sunny, poppy, that whole thing. So I think just as a whole package, like it works. And but I will say, like, I feel like our shows in New York, like you wouldn't know that we're like a band that's called like this thing that's alluding to like being like, oh, we're better than you, you know. But I think it's also like we don't act we don't act like we're better than anybody. So, yeah. All right. Well, Bethany and Bob, thanks for being on the podcast. Thank thanks you. for having us. Thanks for tuning in to Striking a Chord. And thanks to Bethany and Bob for being on the podcast. We're looking forward to the new album. And if you're into hamburgers, you might want to stay tuned just a few more seconds. Any good burgers lately, Bob? Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, this wow. is now you're really talking okay. his language. Okay, I can't say a number one, but I'll top fives <laughs> just in any order. I love Oinkster, Grill em All, Tommy's, uh, Pine Burger, and. Uh, Oh, it was a really good burger at Disney, at California Adventure in Disneyland. Really? Yeah. Comes with malt fries, which I love malt vinegar. Ooh, so. Wait, the fries are like malt vinegar? Yeah, like malt dusted. Ooh, that sounds good. Yeah. Do you know what the name of the restaurant is there? Uh, Lamplighter. Okay. It's uh, It used to be Ariel's Grotto. Um, it's uh, on the fake pier area, but it's really good. All the food there is amazing. Do you have a food blog? No. You my Instagram, Instagram is kind of dumb. Yeah. yeah.